0: Hi again, everyone. Tim and Anthony with you for episode number 76. This time it's for real, as I couldn't count last week was 75. This week is 76 of the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. It is high school football season, and we have two great guests coming your way as we're going to talk to James Dodson from Trib Live, and he'll be covering the WPIAL, and also we'll talk to Ray Reinstorf. WPSE in Erie, Pennsylvania, covering District 10 this year. Two of our favorite guys from Western Pennsylvania, two guys I've worked with over the years and uh, raised to, into a new opportunity. We, we, you'll hear about that during our, our conversation. And, of course, uh, James Dotson, everyone knows him well. He's been a, mm-hmm. a good participant on our podcast over the years, both uh, for the Indy cars and football and basketball. And of course, my partner in high school basketball and two terrific guys to talk uh, Western Pennsylvania high school football. And next week, we will get into our high school football season. As right now, we can I can let the cat out of the bag. We're going to have Campbell Rico coming on. He will be doing the pregame show, our pregame show, starting at 6 o'clock on Western Reserve Radio. So uh, we'll talk about that with Rico and everything going on. Plus... We'll talk about the high school football season coming up, and uh, we'll probably have a couple more guests along the way uh, focusing on uh, Northeast Ohio. So that's the plan going forward. Uh, Anthony, the Indians are currently tied with the Mets 2-2, two and two, and the Indians basically continue to have the best record in baseball since June 1st.
1: Yeah, it's out of touch on what you opened with about high school football, it's absolutely amazing that the fastest 10 weeks is here. It feels like just yesterday, uh, Friday night, you and I got our first chance to uh, uh, catch some high school football. We had a great time there. And, yeah, the Indians, when you look at the Red Sox series, you, you lost two or three, That's and you come back and you split in the Bronx. And I think if you ask anybody, you'll take a split with the Yankees no matter what because the two games you won, you beat them pretty soundly. And the two games you lost, you were right in it. And just a play here and there that, They made you didn't make. The thing that I liked the most was, despite Aradish Chapman being a dominant closer, you had a tying run on base in each of the ninth innings. You know, he made the pitches to get out of it, but you still gave yourself a chance. When the Indians began this last 20-game stretch, 20 games against teams above 500 and in the playoff hunt with no days off, they went 12-8. and That's pretty incredible to think about when three-fifths of your starting rotation is no longer here or hurt. And that's a credit to the Indians as an organization with their depth. And it's just another credit to brought uh, Yasi up week either. So uh, you look up and right now you get another hot team, the master a game or two out of the National League Wild Card, And it doesn't get any easier for the Indians uh, the rest of the month.
0: Well, you know, the Indians are in the midst of what everyone was talking about, the 20 games against above 500 mm-hmm. teams. I believe they've won already 12 games in that span. Yeah, 12 and 8, yep. Yeah, yep. so they are—they continue to play well. And they got the Mets tonight, which is, again, another team's trying to stay in the playoff hunt in the wild card. So very important games on the road. Uh, very important mm-hmm. swing in New York. They won uh, two out of four against the Yankees. They won the, the uh, season series against the Yanks. Uh, they played well. Uh, unfortunately, they yes. came short in a couple games. Uh, games that were potential wins, potential losses both ways. And uh, the, they fell on the uh, the L column. I am concerned about yes. about Brad Hand. I was just about forward. to bring that up. He's definitely in a slump. The Indians yeah. going to have to figure this out going forward. Since the All-Star break, he's just not looked the same. The biggest thing for him is strike one, and he's not getting it. He's, no, he's ball one and ball two behind, and command. His ball behind. Yeah, his yep. command of the strike zone has kind of left him. That makes him vulnerable because then he comes more over the middle of the plate and he gets hit. Yeah. And just like any pitcher will. So I'm concerned about Brad Hand going forward. Hopefully they'll get this figured out. Hopefully he'll come in tonight's ball game and have a 1-2-3 ninth inning and get his mm-hmm. confidence back up and uh, will help the Indians win. Uh, the ball game, and that would be uh, great to see. And uh, that's where my biggest concerns is. As for the uh, new players in uh, Reyes and Puig, I, they're, they're both performing. You know, obviously Puig is a little bit more comfortable,
2: mm-hmm.
0: more of a veteran, obviously, than uh, Reyes. But Reyes is uh, making his plays and making his known. He's not going to get in his many games here with the Mets because there's no DH. Yeah. Uh, he'll come off the bench. I'm sure he'll play one of the outfield positions when opportunity arises, too. Uh, Greg Allen's playing well, so Greg Allen has, uh, you know, seen some playing time right now, and we'll go from there. Yeah, Greg Allen's played very well since
1: – even since he did recall from our AAA the second time, and I think the two-day break that Francona gave Mercado Thursday and Friday against the Yankees, he's swung the bat very well in New York, and – was one of the main reasons why the Indians had some breathing room. On Sunday, his two-out, two-run homer down the left field line, that gave the Indians an 8-2 to two lead. They held on for an 8-4 to four win. Uh, but like you said, hands right now can't – he just can't find a strike zone. The, uh, the, uh, the velocity is there, so you're not worried about an injury probably. He just can't get ahead of the hitters with the slider. Uh, his sliders aren't biting like they used to. And that, in turn, makes the fastballs flat and easy to – Uh, to sit on, but you'd rather have the slump now than in September or October. So hopefully you get that out of the way. Some good news on the injury front, Carlos Carrasco last night pitched in Akron, and he touched 97 on the radar gun. So that's pretty good right there. Yeah, it was. Um, And he could
0: be a piece to help you in the bullpen later in the year maybe. And the bad news is the Corey Kluber. Yep. Uh, had the strain in his oblique, and they're going to shut him down for two weeks. Uh, he made his yep. third start down at the Meyer League on a rehab and strain his oblique, and the Indians are going to shut him down for two weeks to uh, let that heal. So, the thought process of him being here by the end of August now it can be pushed back yep. to about September. Yep. You know, uh, probably the 10th of September or so. So, we'll have to wait and see. We may not get. Corey Kluber back this year? We may. Uh, we'll just have to take it one day at a time with him. But not a surprise, be honest. No. A lot of players have setbacks during recovery time and when they're down at the AAA level in a rehab situation. And especially when you have him pitch as long as he has. Uh, it was good to see Carrasco doing a thing. And like you mentioned, they're not looking for a lot of innings out of him. They're looking for use him as a bullpen pitcher like he was a few years back And he could be dominating coming out of that pen. He may actually be exactly what the Indians need uh, coming the last five, six weeks of the season in the bullpen. If, uh, if cookie is ready to play, I mean, I'm obviously the doctor says he's good. He feels good. He went out and pitched well. So, I mean, bottom line is uh, it would be a hell of a story. If he makes a comeback this year and has an effective uh, end of the season and hopefully a, uh, a big postseason for the Cleveland Indians.
1: Yeah, it would just be – I don't want to call it storybook, but it like you said, it would be an incredible story if Carrasco could come back from this, contribute in a meaningful way. I think he's already contributing in a meaningful way. Uh, you ask anybody, he's one of the best clubhouse guys in the to have. You may get Kluber back like you mentioned in the middle of September, and he could be a bullpen piece that helps you. In October, it's every game you got to win. So, you know, you got a short lead on your starters, but having a Carrasco or a Kluber there in the bullpen might not be a bad thing to turn to. So, uh, we'll see. The Indians got a lot of games. You know, we're only down to, what, 38 games left? And I know this gets talked about a lot, Tim, but how – do you remember when we sat here before my trip to Arizona and we said – jokingly but kind of serious we said well santana he'll give you one eighty, one ninety 180 190 in march and april turn it up to, to you know 215 220 in may and then you know he'll be 250 260 by season's end where would the cleveland indians be without carlos santana this year yeah, well, i mean the it's incredible how clutch he's been for this team
0: uh, I think what you see is two things. A player who feels very comfortable coming back yep. and happy and thrilled and who made a commitment to himself to be the player, the best player he could be and become a leader on this team, and uh, he has achieved that. Uh, sometimes going away is a good thing, and coming back is even better, and that may be just what the doctor ordered for his career to sign a big contract in Philadelphia and a year later be traded to Seattle and then traded a second time back to Cleveland and feel blessed that he had that opportunity to return to a place where he's most comfortable at and uh, a team that he wants to win with. Would I expect exactly what we've gotten out of him? No. I think in the end, the numbers are exactly what you expect. The consistency this year, the all-star that he has been, beyond expectations, and it's a great thing. These are the things – that matter, you know, this Indians team give Chernoff and give Antonetti a lot and Tito Francona a lot of credit for where they're at because this team has gone through a lot of changes. Its core players are still there, meaning your core players like Perez behind the plate, Ramirez at third, Lindor at short, your infield all been together all season long, Kipness at second base, you know, Santana at first base. That core has been there all season long. That core has never left you. Now, the alpha was going to be in flux all season long, and it has been. However, you know, in May, they bring up Mercado, and look yep. what he's done. Mercado's done a great job giving them that right-handed bat and a center fielder that they desperately needed. Allen coming up three or four times this year from Columbus, doing a, a really a commendable job. as a yes. Same with Tyler Naquin. Naquin. Tyler Naquin, when healthy. loop low, I'm too. Both of them, when healthy, have produced. Uh, when you did not have you know, Puig or Reyes on your lineup, they produced to the best of their abilities. Now that you've added Puig and you added Reyes, you've added two right-handed Thunders into your lineup. And it stretches your lineup. It makes a big difference. This team has the ability to score almost any time. Lindor is still having the all-star year that he is. And, you know, I like the offense now has a chance to score and win ballgames for mm-hmm. you. Uh, not just you don't have to out them. And quite honest with you, if Francona doesn't win manager of the year this year, there should not be an award as far as I'm concerned. No, there shouldn't. No. Because he started four pitchers this year with very minimal or no experience at the major league level in Plesak, Zavoli, Plucco, and Rodriguez. Yeah, and you know people yeah, forget about Rodriguez, but he was there. You look at all the injuries; you lose a Kluber, you Lovinger. lose at Carrasco, you lose all these players throughout the season. You lost three fifths of your starters. Uh, yeah. You know, and that's just—it's been an amazing that's job. Insane. I'll give him credit. As much as all of us at times get frustrated and want to see change and say, "Oh, you can't play him no more," he's stuck with his players. He's stuck yeah. with Ramirez when everybody wanted to bench him. He stuck yeah. with Kitness when everybody who wanted to bench him. He stuck with his outfielders, even though they at the times weren't producing at the greatest level. And you look at this team and what they have achieved. You know, since June 1st, they've had one of the best records in baseball, continue to play at a high level. And a lot of people complain about some of these players and what they have done. And yeah, all players go in slumps, as we mentioned with hand, you know, in the bullpen. However, you look at this bullpen, ZRA, and what it has achieved. And you look at the players that they've added in the season this year to the bullpen. It's phenomenal. I mean, whoever thought Clifford would be the player that he's been? You know, when he was signing. Well, what a nice signing he was late, huh? Late. Yeah, he was off-season signing, got hurt in the first week of exactly. training. Exactly. So, you know, never expected that. You know, the only player they brought I don't back. Know what would has
1: been a nice pickup.
0: There's been a lot of them. You know, throughout the season, up and down, and what they've, they've achieved. They've used their 40-man roster to their yeah. advantage. That has been a strength, uh, sure enough, in Antonetti all season long. And they don't get enough credit, in my opinion, for what they have achieved this year. Because this team has had major turnover from last year, and they're right in the thick of a divisional race and yeah. right on the verge of a playoff spot and lead the wild card, you know, they very well could win the division. So I'm I'm absolutely thrilled of what, what they have achieved this year and what they continue to achieve. And hopefully, you know, this stretch run will be a lot of fun to watch. Let's turn to Turner now back to uh, high school football. Of course, we're going to be on Western Reserve Radio all season long. and Catch us at westernreserveradio.com. Our first game is Thursday, a week Thursday. Say that again, holiday- Tim? A week Thursday Oh my! as God. we have Howlin' Tigers and the Niles Red Dragons. And you can hear that on Western Reserve Radio and also WRQX AM 600 as that will be simulcast, the first ever internet radio station simulcasting on a terrestrial radio station in the market. So this should be great. You can catch us everywhere. Tune in app, the 365 app, WRQX. And uh, of course, westernreserveradio.com. And if you use Alexa, just say, "Alexa, play radio station Western Reserve Radio," and it'll come right up. That's really cool. So that is how really about cool. that? How about that? Make it nice and simple for you to find us. And with that in mind, let's step aside and go talk to one of my best friends in uh, broadcasting is James Dotson my partner in high school basketball and a big member of the Trip Live high school sports network over in western Pennsylvania and let's talk with James and find out what's going on for his football season this coming up in 2019.
2: Well it's now time to hook up with James Dotson over in western Pennsylvania our annual hookup for the high school football season and talk a little WPIL action and James, it's always great to talk to you. I haven't talked to you since the uh, Indy 500 this spring. So, how's uh, your summer gone so far?
3: Oh, you know, it's uh, it's a crazy summer. That it, it always is Tim, and uh, it just means that we're talking football. That means that well, we're we're going back to school, and that, you know, there's good and bad to that too. But uh, just glad to be uh, getting ready to go on the, some Friday night like Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh,
2: what's going on with Trip Live this year? What is your your plans uh, this season coming
3: to WPIL? Well, I expect to be all over the place uh, in terms of covering WPIL football. Uh, Hopefully they'll keep me close to home in Lawrence County for the most part, but uh, I I fully expect to be seeing some of the top teams uh, all across the district. And uh, I'll I'll be for sure on the air for a couple of the Newcastle games throughout the uh, course of the year on the the Trib Live affiliate in Newcastle WKST. But uh, for the time being as well, we'll be – in the meantime, I, I expect to be just about everywhere and anywhere. And with uh, Trib Live going with uh, some more video broadcasts this year as well for their games, going to be a little added element uh, to uh, for the fans to enjoy out there.
2: So, you are allowed to do some live video over in uh, Pennsylvania on Friday nights.
3: Yep, we are. Video is pretty much all fair game uh, throughout the regular season. Once playoffs hit, then it becomes a little bit of a uh, of a more difficult scenario. But Trib Live has the uh, has the rights to all video and uh, audio streaming all through the playoffs as well. So uh, if you want to be doing radio or uh, or video broadcasts, uh, come playoff time, you you better go through uh, Rebel and Labar and the good old Triple Live crew.
2: That's not bad. That's good to hear. Actually, uh, over here in Ohio, uh, video is not allowed on Friday nights. Uh-huh. On if the game on Thursday or Saturday, you're allowed, but they have damn uh, any live video on Fridays. Uh, I guess to protect the gate, I'm not sure the whole reason behind it, but that is uh, what has been standard here for about the last 10 years or so, is live video is allowed on Thursdays and Saturday games, but not on Friday nights, and it's, not during the it's playoffs.
3: A, that's, that's interesting that, it's, uh, that they allow it on those off days but not on Friday night. It makes sense, I guess, to try to cover the gate, but at the same time, in this day and age, I mean, people are going to go and FaceTime their for their friends anyway if there's a big play at the end of a game or or anything too. So, and you know, I'll tell you what, all you got to do is record, put it on Twitter, and it's not live, but it's you know a 20 second delay, and that might as well be live enough to the people who care enough to not show up but want to want to watch it. So, eh, that's rough, but hey, if uh, if it works for your system, that's what you do.
2: Exactly, and you're right. Uh, the world has changed so much digitally. Uh, now you have all these apps that can record live uh, video, and, and you can post it almost immediately, as you mentioned. Some of it is actually live uh, over the internet, so it's not surprising, you know, how the world has changed here in the last ten years with digital phones and everything else going on. So, Tommy, some of the uh, schools that you've uh, previewed so far this year over there, and what are you? Uh, some of the uh, top teams that you may expect to see.
3: Well, uh I did a bunch of previews for a uh, Triple I of all the uh, Lawrence County schools. Um so uh Newcastle amongst them, uh, one of the, the uh, bigger of the teams, actually the biggest in Lawrence County, they're class four A uh over here in Pennsylvania, so one A being the small schools up to six A being the largest classification. So pretty much right in the middle Newcastle is and uh they're on a, a five or six game playoff or five or six year playoff streak, I should say, and uh they're a team that They've made the playoffs, but they haven't had the great playoff success. They had one run where they made it all the way to the uh, WPIL championship before falling short to Thomas Jefferson in that year. They, they're looking to, again, make playoffs, but really to try to make some noise in that playoffs, win a game or two again. And uh, they have a really interesting scenario. Uh, their starting quarterback, an all-conference player from last year, Demetrius McKnight, uh, is not going to be quarterback this year. He's moving the running running back. It's going to be a more natural position for him. You'll see him at running back, maybe in the slot a little bit as well. And uh, sophomore uh, Mike Wells is going to take over at the quarterback position to try to – bolster the passing game just a little bit more because there wasn't a lot of uh, success through the air with the Canes offense. So a couple of the uh, guys who've gotten gold medals uh, last year on the basketball court are going to be at a backfield tandem for the uh, the running red hurricane there on the football field. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how that passing game shapes up because you have uh, McKnight who's now been clocked at 4-3 as a running back in the backfield. Uh, that will be really fun to see and a pretty veteran offensive line to run behind as well. They like to run it but now they have the threat of the pass a lot more. So I think Newcastle is going to be uh, maybe a dark horse team to keep your eye on. And another one that I'm really, really psyched about is uh, the Laurel Spartans. They're in the lowest classification, uh, but they have probably the biggest team that you will ever see uh, for a Class 1A team. Uh, normally you would say if you're six foot two forty on a Class 1A team, you would probably be the biggest lineman on that team. That's the quarterback there, Tim. Six, wow. foot, six foot 240, and guess what? He's smart. He's a field general, and there's a lot of time in their, uh, um, in their veer offense, the, the uh, wing tee offense, that he will pitch the ball and then almost be like a pulling guard as an extra blocker. And uh, it's it's really fun to watch. They had two 1,000-yard rushers last year, the Spartans, uh, in uh, Daniel Blank, Luke McCoy. They're both back this year, uh, mentioned Wade back this year. Uh, all-conference lineman, uh, uh, Mitch Miles, 6'4", 305. He's going to be in there as well. He's getting some uh, some big-time looks across uh, the uh, the college landscape right now. Oh, and not to mention, they missed uh, last year probably their best athlete on the team uh, in-, in Will Schaefer towards ACL in the preseason last year. He's back. He's a threat on the outside. So I think the weapons they have, they were a solid team, just barely missed the playoffs last year with those injuries. And everybody who they had, uh, who needed to play early in the year because of all of those injuries is, uh, they're, they're pretty much all back and all intact with a whole year under their belt. So I'm really looking for some big things from, uh, from the power running game of the Laurel Spartans. And what class are they again? They are 1A. They're the smallest classification. That's so when you have, a,
2: wow. you have
3: a quarterback on that team that's going to be bigger than most of the linemen that they'll face throughout the course of the year.
2: Yeah. What a, uh, what a interesting group to uh, put together on a football field at that size school. So, yeah, I can imagine that they're going to be fun to watch. Of course, my favorite place to go because of uh, Lee and uh, obviously uh, the uh, the refreshments before and after the game and during the halftime. The uh, yeah. gardens do it better than anybody in the world. I'll uh-huh. never that walking in there for, uh, I believe it was homecoming. It may have been senior night. I'm not sure. It was a few years back, but wow. Uh, talk about doing it up correctly
3: you to got to give a shout-out to the uh, assistant athletic director, Lori Heitz. And she just puts out the absolute best gourmet meals. The first time I was there, it was pizza night, but it wasn't your standard pizza. There was a chili dog pizza, your buffalo chicken pizza, um, uh, bacon-wrapped sausage pizza. Like, a- every random combination, and it was all incredible. So, uh, yes, I would love for Laura to be having a good season, but that also means I'm more likely to be making some more trips up to the to the Leonard Rich Complex at the same time. Uh, any other
2: uh, schools like uh, Taurus-Pittsburgh that you're going to be checking off this year? I know Jeanette is a, a big powerhouse. Uh does well. Some of the uh, the Catholic schools, the private schools, are also traditionally good powerhouses. What do you expect from some of them uh, this year?
3: Uh, Jeanette and Clareton, I think, are going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Jeanette lost a couple of their bigger guys um, for last year. Clareton lost a couple guys. They both lost in the semifinals last year, but uh, if those two in the smallest classification made it to the championship again, you wouldn't be surprised. And Clareton actually has um, their uh, the coach's son just transferred in from McKeesport where he had a pretty solid year there last year. So they have some extra weapons going on uh, there in the smallest classification. Uh, in two-way, Steel Valley is the team to watch for. Um, they've made it to the championship game now three straight years. The one time that they lost was to Washington, though, and that's a team that's in class 2 A but has the numbers and the size of a 5A or 6A school. And they also have the uh, leading passer in their school history in uh, Nick Schwartz coming back uh, for his senior year. So the fact that Zach Schwartz already has the uh, the career touchdowns list is really impressive. But don't sleep on a – keep this uh, team in mind. Burgettown, the Blue Devils are a, a team very much like Laurel in the way they're set up. They're ground and pound. They don't throw it very much, and they rely on their defense. They allow – Less than seven points per game uh, last year, and they return a good chunk uh, of their team. Uh, just going up the classifications, 3A, Aliquippa, I mean, everybody worldwide knows about the Quips, and uh, and they've made it now to 11 straight district finals, uh, set records for scoring last year. But they're going to have to uh, replace a lot of the skill position players. But they always seem to do a really good job uh, of doing just that. So I'm I'm watching for the Quips for sure in Class 3A to be. Uh, probably the, the by far favorite, uh, in, in that one. And uh, just going up, Thomas Jefferson in 4A, uh, they lost to South Bayette last year, but South Bayette loses a good number of their, uh, players. Keep an eye on Belvern and they have a real good quarterback who got hurt in the playoffs last year. Uh, so he should be back. They should be a great team. Uh, I'm gonna say 6A real quick. It's going to be a little bit more wide open, but I think Pine Richland, uh, three Pine defending champions, are still going to be the, the team to beat Central Catholics. And uh, Seneca Valley actually has a couple of guys coming back uh, on defense, and I think he's going to make them, uh, again, a headache like they were all of last year as they made it all the way behind Sewell for the championship. A Class 5A, um, go ahead and take a 24-sided die and roll it, and whoever you figures out on that die, that's who's going to win. It is so deep. Anybody can win. There are so many great teams. I'm not even going to try to predict the winner. It's just going to be fun uh, watching those games week in and week out. And uh, I will say this, though, whoever wins the WPIL out of Class 5A, whether it is Penn Hills again or whether you see Gateway with one of the top running backs in in the country, um, uh, and also Mars has a a kid who's uh, committed to Notre Dame, uh, any one of those teams I could see going and making that run and then whoever wins it, I think it's a shoe-in to go all the way and win states. Wow.
2: So I know these changes every year in the transfer rules. What are some of the changes this year for uh, the WPIL and the PIAA type thing? What's going on in the transfer rules this year?
3: Well, the transfer rules officially are that the – Players, if they transfer before their ninth grade season, everything is completely fine. If they transfer after their ninth grade season, they are automatically deemed to be playoff ineligible uh, for that first year that they're in their new school. Now, there can be uh, a lot of exceptions to that. They can petition for hardship waivers and that sort of thing, um, if there's a financial issue or a change of agenda, that type of thing. And for the most part, those will be properly analyzed and properly overturned, um, but we've seen a lot of instances already where um, <clears throat> you have some of those that don't get overturned, and then they get petitioned to the state, and then they sometimes do, sometimes don't get overturned. It's a lot of chaos there. Any move that is deemed to be specifically for athletic intent, they're automatically uh, out for the entire year, uh, just kind of like if you would transfer it in college. Um, but again, those don't happen very often. Uh, where you have that ruling come down. But we've had a few already uh, come down with the, this new rule that's gone in the last year where they can be eligible for the regular season, but then they would be playoff ineligible. We had a couple of players last year and a couple of big names this year that I think it could be interesting if you get to that, especially you'll see him in, uh, in basketball, uh, Tim, when we start working. Uh kid from Central Valley uh, who's moving back in, He should and he has – every intention of playing in the regular season and knows he won't be uh, playoff eligible, but he's one of the top five probably players in the entire district. And how are you going to rank a team that makes the playoffs and now loses their best player for the postseason, I think it makes it fun for the uh, seeding committees for sure. Oh, crazy.
2: That's actually going to make an absolute insanity because it almost negates what happened in the regular season. How do you weight that properly? You know, just thinking out loud. It's going to be like, let's just hypothetically say, a team only loses a couple games a season or one game is football all year, and all of a sudden some sort of the top players are not available? How do and, you that? That's going yeah, to be boy. really, really going to be interesting to see how they handle that That chore.
3: And it depends on, on your mentality of it, because how would you rate it if that same kid went and broke his leg in the last week of the season and was going to be out for the playoffs? Do you see them differently then, or do you stay the same way and say, well, you have to assume that they're at full strength and this is what we saw in the regular season. I think that makes a, a huge, huge difference when you're looking at it and uh I I'm glad I'm not the one who's gonna be in the room. I'll leave it at that.
2: Yeah, we get to talk about it, either playing or, or salute them. So that's <laughs> easy on our part.
3: Oh, well, absolutely. We just get to go sit back and enjoy. it. Exactly.
2: So uh real quickly, uh what is uh you mentioned the transfer rules. Is there any other uh, major rule changes this year? Have they have they made any adjustment to uh, uh, school classifications this year with uh, maybe the private schools uh, being uh, weighted a little heavier uh, versus uh, the the
3: public schools? There's a lot of talk and there's um, some supposed bills that are being passed around in, in legislation to try to separate the uh, boundary schools versus the non-boundary schools. Um, at the moment, it doesn't look like anything will be able to come of it, and uh, there's a lot of citation of a, uh, a bill that was passed back in the late 70s that basically required at that point the PIAA to allow in those uh, non boundary schools your your charter parochial uh, et cetera type of schools into their tournament um very unlikely to see at least in the near future any sort of change uh, in that regard um there's all there's been talk about do you use some sort of competition formula that you see in various states across the country where if a team like for example, a team like uh um, Thomas Jefferson who we mentioned who's made it to three straight district championships uh if they make it to a fourth in a row do they then move up a classification that type of thing um there there's a lot of those type of uh scenarios that i think are being hashed out but not exactly much going on in terms of uh at the at the moment at least uh any sort of change in there and the only real rule change uh throughout the uh the PIWA, and actually it goes through with uh the, uh, NFHS rules is that the, uh, play clock is now officially a 40 second clock, uh, the exact same way college is, rather than the wait for the ball to be marked and then the 25 second clock begins. Uh, as soon as the play ends, it's a 40 second winding clock and I think that when you have a deep play down the field and everybody has to start hustling back to, uh, get to the next play, I think that's when you're going to see some uh, interesting scenarios and see what teams are prepared for it. Uh, scrimmages coming up this weekend will be a lot of fun to uh, to see if they can uh, make the adjustment to it.
2: No, there's no question about it, you know. And I think that's actually a good rule. I think it's actually going to speed up the game some because the clock will continue. You know, the play clock will continue to move. I know, any completes and all that, will stop the clock. But like you said, you have to uh, hustle back to the line of scrimmage and and you get the play going, or, you know, if you do huddle up, get back to the huddle and break huddle and, and get into your formation. So I think in the long term, I think we're going to see games move a little quicker with the 40-second the clock versus the 25-second clock.
3: Oh, I think so as well. It's just a matter of uh, can some of the, quote-unquote, old-timer officials who uh, – might be getting near the end of their career. Can they keep up quickly enough to get the ball spotted quickly enough to uh, get the playoff within those 40 seconds after that long incompletion? Uh, Only time will tell there, Tim. Yes,
2: we'll know more as the season progresses. James, thank you very much for your time. And we'll quickly tell them how to uh, listen this year through Trib Live.
3: It's at tribhssn.triblive.com, the Trib Live High School Sports Network, the uh, exclusive home to all audio and video coverage of WPIL uh, sports is the Trib Live high school sports network. James, once again, thanks my friend and I can't wait for basketball season, but let's enjoy the football season first. Absolutely. Go enjoy the lights.
2: All right. That's James Dotson from Trib Live and we'll be right back with more of radio MVP.
0: My thanks to James Dotson from the Trib Live for giving us an update on the WPIL action this coming up season in 2019. Anthony, do you love hoodies? Yes, I do love hoodies. Uh, I just bought one Saturday. Actually, hmm. Check out these awesome hoodies at thehouseofhoodies.com or on Twitter at HOHoodies. These jerseys, like hoodies, are perfect for repping your team. And you can use the promo code Radio, Western Reserve Radio. And it's one word, and you'll get 15% off your entire order. What's Reserve Radio? That's WR radio, all one word, and say 15% on your entire order. That's really cool. That is really cool. Because I'm
1: looking at one right now where I can get a custom jersey, a custom hoodie jersey with my name on the back, and I and you say I can get how much
0: off Tim? 15% off
1: all 15% your 15 is pretty good.
0: Again, use that promo code W-R-R-A-D-I-O, Western Reserve Radio, one word, W-R-Radio for 15% off on houseofhoodies.com. And you can contact them on Twitter at HOHoodies, right here on Radio MVP and on Western Reserve Radio. And Anthony, it's now time to uh, talk to our other good friend from Western Pennsylvania, another broadcast partner of mine from the past. Ray Reinstorf, Jr., he does great play-by-play. He has now switched over to WPSE in Erie, Pennsylvania, and we're going to talk about District 10, what he's up to, and his new opportunities with WPSE. This is my conversation with Ray Reinstorf, Jr. All right, it's now time to cook up with Ray Reinstorf, Jr. with WPSE Radio in Erie, PA. Ray has always taken time to come on the podcast, which we always – uh, enjoy, uh, Ray and I go back. God, close to ten years now, uh, doing high school sports in Northwest Pennsylvania and Vayango County and and others. And uh, Ray, how you
4: doing today? Good, Tim. It's hard to believe. Again, I know I, I probably sound like I'm repeating myself from the last couple of appearances on your podcast, but it is. It, this sneaks up so fast, and it's the best time of the year. And it's great to be talking about high school football with you. And uh, glad to i love to see you're doing well, my friend, and uh, I, what a great time of year.
0: It is. It's fun. And uh, obviously, uh, some changes for you personally uh, this year. Uh, last few years, you've been doing uh, McDowell football. Uh, that has uh, now entered into your resume as you uh, upgraded it now to uh, the WPSC uh, radio, and you're working full-time in radio. Just take a moment, talk about uh, what you're, where you're at, what you're doing, and also, uh, what's your schedule like for this high school football season?
4: And you uh, led into it, Tim. Uh, now working full time at WPSE on the campus of Penn State Barron. It was an incredible opportunity that was presented to me late last October into early November as I was finishing up my fourth year of calling McDowell Trojans football on WWCB on their second stream. And, you know, Part of me, that was, you know, it's my alma mater. I shouldn't say was, it is my alma mater. And being able to be the voice of Trojan football for those couple of years was amazing. Well, four years, I should say, was amazing. But when you get an opportunity, and you know this for as long as you've worked in radio, opportunities to work full time in radio, especially in, you know, medium and small size markets, are a dime a dozen anymore. And to be approached with this opportunity, I would have been crazy not to say yes. And it's been a, a big-time learning curve for me for some of the other aspects of radio that I've never really worked in before, but I've enjoyed it every step of the way, and, you know, there's been some growing pains, obviously. It's a really exciting opportunity, and then especially from a sports perspective, as last year was WPSE's uh, first foray into covering high school sports, and we had an extremely successful football and basketball season, and we're looking to continue to grow on that success, and from a scheduling perspective, uh, the team that we will be covering covering primarily will be Mercyhurst Prep. And we will have all nine of their regular season games. We're also going to feature three regular season games in the District 10 area on Saturday as well. And then when we get into the postseason, we'll cover the Lakers and other teams that are going to be alive in the area. Last year, we were with Cathedral Prep for their entire state championship, their third straight state championship playoff run. So, again, we expect them to be in the mix when it comes to making deep runs in the postseason, Covered the Trojans in their District 10 playoff game against the Erie High Royals, of course, another great District 10 program. And so the opportunities are, are boundless at this point. Our high school basketball coverage, we covered several teams in the Erie County area in the high school postseason both girls and boys so it's a lot of exciting opportunities we're now erie's radio home of the cleveland browns and have been the longtime home of penn state and nittany lions football as well so it's an exciting time right now
0: oh there's no question and uh i think it's it, as a browns fan myself great opportunity uh to pick them up this year it's not going to be an 0-16 year uh you can guarantee that it's gonna be a lot of excitement on that level and uh and Erie has traditionally been a uh, a big Cleveland market in the past, so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that uh, returns now that the Browns have uh, high, such high optimistic uh, hopes coming into the season.
4: Yeah, there was there was a lot of excitement generated by what they've done in the off season, obviously, and we got a very good response from the community when it was announced in late April that we were going to be the brand new affiliate for the next three years. And uh, that has been, it was a summer where we worked really hard on putting that together. And it was neat to see that come to fruition when we launched the first preseason broadcast. And as you know, the Browns have a ton of programming. They have four hours of pregame, a ton of postgame, and then we also carry all the ancillary programming as well throughout the week, the weekly show that airs every Saturday morning for the entire year. And then you have the coaches show and the preview show on Thursday and Friday late in the week. Once, Obviously, now that the season's started, you're having those. And if the game's on Sunday, you're going to have those on Thursdays and Fridays. They're on different days, obviously, with the different games they play during the preseason on the different days of the week. So, yeah, it's an exciting time.
0: There's no question. Let's get back to the high school football. You mentioned you're covering uh, Mercyhurst uh, prep this season and, uh, and the success they have had. Obviously, um, talk about that program and who they are and uh, your, your excitement of covering this, uh, this school for the first time on a full-season
4: basis. Well, the Lakers, you go back about five years, and, and Jeff Roots now in his sixth season – And I had a a good conversation with Coach Root the other day. And this was a program that was on the verge of folding uh, because of low numbers. And Jeff Root came in, and he's done an excellent job of bringing them back to prominence. And the last two years, they have won the region in Region 6 last year and playing in Region 6 again this year after the reconfiguration in District 10. they, They now have eight regions the bugaboo for them has been the Sharon Tigers. And you know how great those Mercer County programs are, especially in the smaller school divisions. And uh, last year it was a 29-28 loss to the Sharon Tigers in the District 10 semifinals. So that's been the hurdle for the Lakers the last couple of years is getting to the postseason and being able to beat the Sharon Tigers. Would not be surprised if it ends up being those two teams again at some point in postseason this year. The Lakers do bring back some quality players. They lost some tremendous players. I mean, when you lose the the likes of a Zach Helsley, who is Erie County's all-time leading rusher, and several other good players as well, they lost their starting quarterback from last year. But the player that – one of the most dynamic players in the area who is going to continue to make a bigger name for himself is Steve Smith, who's got five Division I offers right now. Talking to Coach Root last week, runs a 4-4-2-40. They timed him five times when he was at a pit camp. So this is a dynamic player who's going to be able to do some unbelievable things in space. They've got another speed burner in Ian Baker who runs a 4-5-9-40. So they've got some quality players coming back. Uh, Starting quarterback is going to be junior Matt Luce, a southpaw, as he replaced – replaces Mike Crafty from last year. So Lakers lost significant amount of talent, but they've got talent coming back. They're the favorite in Region 6 right now, and we'll see how far they can go in the District 10 playoffs.
0: Now you'll be covering, what, all nine regular season games that you mentioned with them, plus uh, the station has a few extra games that they plan on uh, covering. Talk about that.
4: Yeah. Yes, we do. We're going to have uh, McDowell at St. Joe's, which plays in the Monsignor Martin Catholic League in Buffalo. Uh, that, the teams in that league have been playing the likes of McDowell and Cathedral Prep and Erie the last few years. As Those three schools are now in a region where it's just McDowell you're and cathedral prep. I believe I talked about that on, on the podcast last year. So the scheduling demands for those teams are interesting and you see them crossing over into the state of Ohio quite often. And then of course, against some of the Buffalo uh, Catholic league teams is that that league is actually in New York's one of the States that separates the, the Catholic schools and the public schools. So they play exclusively in that Catholic Monsignor Martin league and they play for their own championship but you get teams like Canisius, we'll see, because will prep at Canisius later on in the year in October. And then we have a game where uh, Northeast, one of the local county teams, will be hosting Warren. So those will be some fun Saturday games, a chance to see some other teams in the area. And even with our Mercyhurst prep coverage, you know, we like to stress, too, that the Lakers play a lot of teams from this area. So we're going to carry the likes of them playing Harbor Creek and the, playing fairview and playing gerard so it is against the local teams as well so those are nights where we will be covering two local teams the so lakers playing the huskies and the yellow jackets and northeast and teams like that that they play in the region so it's still a lot of local coverage but we wanted to get the opportunity to get some other teams on the air and with the district official shortage which is going to become a bigger and bigger problem if it doesn't get taken care of in the next few years. And I'm not sure if you're experiencing the same thing over in the Buckeye state, but because of the shortage of officials, you've got games being moved to Thursday and being moved to Saturday because some of those crews have to work two games because they're having trouble getting younger people to develop into officials.
0: Yeah. There's a officials uh, scenario here, not necessarily moving games yet and, and that level, but. More than anything, they they were experiencing uh, older groups staying together longer than anticipated, you know. And also, uh, younger officials moving up to the varsity ranks faster than ever before. Before, you used to take your time and you'd do a lot of uh, junior varsity games or you would do freshman games or even go down to the uh, junior high level. And you spend three to five years, you know, learning to be official, learning exactly the different, you know, nuances of that. And then, uh, you know, putting on a crew at the the high school, you know, varsity level. And now uh, there are officials who are doing varsity games with uh, less than a year experience.
4: And out of necessity, you can almost compare it to – what we've seen with the numbers in football deteriorating as far as participation is concerned, you know, you're seeing more freshmen and sophomores playing at the varsity level because of the same type of scenario. So hopefully that's something that I, not that I, I'm an expert on this subject. So I'm definitely, it's <laughs> yeah, just neither I, me, me throwing ideas out there, but I, you know, I see several people talking about it on social media and things along those lines that they, they have to, start creating more incentives for folks to become officials and you know we're we're in a day and age where you've got you've got you, they're gonna have to deal with the parents and the coaches and you know it can be a tough gig it, and is and a I tough gig. Say it can be it's a it is a tough gig yeah thank you <laughs> i caught myself halfway through that sentence and it's such a tough gig the the things that you have to put up with and there's a lot of people who don't want to sign up for that anymore so they've got to find incentives to 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 give some of the younger people who are on the fence about becoming officials to to give them incentives to become officials.
0: So in district 10, who are some of the uh, leading uh, schools that you expect to be uh, contending for the titles in the the different divisions? And just uh, what do you, uh, what do you see for Mercyhurst and uh, maybe your, your former school uh, McDowell and others uh, this season? Any uh, projections on your part?
4: I think anytime when you're talking, when we're talking to Erie County and, and you start talking about District 10 football, you're always going to mention Cathedral Rep first. Uh, the run that they've been on has been absolutely incredible. Four straight state championship game appearances, three straight championship game wins. So they back to back to back state champions. They did lose a lot from last year's team, an incredible graduating class kids, but they returned Colin Johnson, who was the starting quarterback last year before getting injured and being replaced by Regan Schleicher, who started the season and then lost the job to Johnson, but then came back and they went through and made, you know, it didn't look like it was going to be their year to repeat as state champions again, and they just went on an incredible run in Class 4A. And, you know, the way they're set up right now in Class 4A, it's hard to imagine for the next few years that they wouldn't get at least to the state quarterfinal round because of the fact that their, their playoff opponents come out of District 8 and District 9. And I think it would take maybe a District 9 school. They would have to have one of those once-in-a-lifetime style teams to compete with them. District 8, the Pittsburgh City League, does not have a good track record in the big school football divisions of winning playoff games. McDowell and Cathedral Prep have had their way with the District 8 champions over the course of the last two decades. So I'd be stunned if the Ramblers weren't at least in the state quarterfinal round. And quite frankly, I think another at least a state semifinal run is going to be in the works for the Ramblers, if not another state championship run for them. For McDowell this year, there was a little bit of controversy in the offseason, but after a hearing cleared it, Danny Blue who was a star player for Erie High, transferred to McDowell. And so you put Danny Blue in the backfield with Elijah Lopez, who is a junior. Last year, Elijah Lopez only saw a little bit of varsity playing time until week eight. So he comes in the second to last game of the regular season. Next thing you know, the kid runs for almost 800 yards in four games and absolutely burst onto the scene, has explosive speed. And with Chris Uchno, sophomore quarterback who played the entire year last year, now a junior, and he had a nice year, uh, this is a McDowell team that can, with with their running ability out of their spread offense, they've got two speed burners that they honestly haven't had the last few years. So this, if there's a year for McDowell to be able to overcome that hurdle of state college in the sub-regional round, this would be the year. But... 6A is such a meat grinder. Yeah, it is. You get, pe- you get past State College, you end up playing the likes of the Pine Richlands and the North Alleghenies and the Pittsburgh Central Catholics. And then you've got the Philadelphia schools on the other side, Main, main St. Joe's on the eastern side. So, But th- this could be a special McDowell team, so we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. And then you mentioned with Mercyhurst Prep, again, I think they'll, they'll win the region. Harbor Creek is going to be a tough team. Harbor Creek was 8-2 last year. Uh, That could be a big game potentially, a a game that could end up deciding the region. And there's sleeper teams like Fairview. Nathan Liberty, who coached at Cochranton for a few years and took a Cochranton program that hadn't won in a long time and built them up in Class 1A and then went to Pittsburgh for a year, came back, got the Fairview job last year. So it will will be interesting, but I think the Lakers have a real good shot at winning that region, and then, again, we'll see if they can – end the long string of Mercer County reign in the small school divisions. It's been a <laughs> long time since an Erie County school in the small school, for a while when it was just 4A, or when there were four classes, excuse me, one through four. There hadn't been an Erie County team since the early 90s to win a 1A or a 2A district championship until Mercer's Prep actually won it in, I believe it was class A in 1990. 19- or excuse me 2007 they won a district championship they were the only erie county team for a long time to win in the small school divisions
0: wow so should be an interesting year up in uh, erie and uh, ray i want to thank you a lot for taking out your time and helping us out here on radio mvp and i also want to thank you for all your support of radio mvp over the last few years uh, sending us uh Highlights of games that were between uh, McDowell and Austin Town Fitch and others and in uh, Bourbon. Uh, it was really a treat to have you on the podcast. An open invitation. If there's ever a game you have that you want to be featured on the podcast, just send us highlights. We'll get it on. It'll be a lot of fun to hear your voice again on the, uh, on the scoreboard show. So uh, you always have an open invitation to, uh, to send us anything you want.
4: Tim, I always appreciate the time and I enjoy, especially the the high school football preview went together. Now you know last year you had a ton of guests and I had an opportunity to listen to it on one of the bus rides to a road game. And it was great insight from all around the Mahoning Valley area. And then, you know, some of the, the coverage up here too. So always appreciate the time, my friend.
0: Uh, no problem. That is Ray Reinstorf from WPSE radio in Erie PA. And I want to thank him once again for coming on the podcast and, helping us uh, look at Western Pennsylvania and Northwest Pennsylvania this time. And of course we uh, did the WPIL action earlier. I want to thank James Dotson for appearing uh, today as we take care of our Western Pennsylvania friends. And then uh, next week we'll be uh, tripping over here into Ohio, talking to everybody who's covering games over here. So Ray, once again, thanks. And we will uh, talk to you soon.
4: You got it, Tim. Thank you.
0: Thanks Ray. Once again, Anthony, Two great interviews back-to-back, uh, James Dotson and Ray Reinsdorf from Western Pennsylvania, one covering WPIAL and the other covering District 10. Uh, my thanks to both James and Ray for once again sharing their time and knowledge right here on Radio MVP.
1: You know, it's greatly appreciated. Uh, we try to do the best weekend covering the Tri-County area, Mahoning, Trumbull, and Columbiana County our news stations and our newspapers do reach into Western PA and there's been a lot of good football teams over the last couple of years, a lot of good football players. And it's nice to have their take on uh, what they're seeing and um, what they're going to see in the next couple of weeks.
0: No, there's no question about it. And quite honest with you, I have a history over there uh, mm-hmm. covering basketball and football over the last 20 years. And, uh, met a lot of great people that are near and dear to my heart and over the years, uh, different broadcast partners and radio personalities that I've met and uh, school administrators. And, uh, you know, we live with, uh, you know, a five-county, six-county area that covers uh, some great high school football in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. And uh, I'll always, uh, you know, want to uh, talk about some of that. And we will have them both on throughout the season to get updates from their respective areas as uh, we'll have also all the scores we can from both areas on the scoreboard show, which will return for its third season. So it is going to be a a fun time coming up. A lot of podcasts coming your way, a lot of time, but uh, looking forward to it. Anthony, uh, give me some of your last final thoughts here tonight. Uh, Last thoughts is
1: it's amazing that football is already here. Actually, football and shoulder pads and helmets and a meaningful game Saturday, which uh, you and I covered on the Ice Cash Report. Make sure to check that out and make sure to check us out every Tuesday night as Tim and I will break down the Penguins and also everything that is going on in high school football and also the baseball team in Cleveland. Yeah, they still play baseball. They're despite football starting here soon. They're back uh, being contenders again. So Tim and I will break down the Indians. And what hopes is a was this fourth straight division title, Tim? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be so fun. It's it's a it's like you and I talked about Friday. It's a very busy. It's a start of a very busy couple months for us. But you and I wouldn't have it any other way. This isn't work for us. This is uh, we're we're blessed to do this, and we're blessed to be able to bring you our radio MVP every week, every Tuesday from here on out.
0: All right, do us a favor. Give us a like on Facebook. Tell your friends and family about us, even your enemies, and uh, help grow Radio MVP. If you get this through Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review. They help spread the word about Radio MVP. Very important little things. We don't talk about it enough, but, uh, yeah, the only way to grow this is going to be word of mouth. And uh, we appreciate each and every one of you who uh, tune in, listen, either on SoundCloud, or any of the other services uh, that uh, provide our podcast. So uh, for Anthony in Canfield, I am Tim here in Bourbon, wishing you all a wonderful day. And go Penguins, as we're just a few days away from the start of the football season. Tim, let's sing that bad boy on a Saturday night, huh? There you go. Let's sing the fight song. For Anthony, I'm Tim. See you later.